Welcome to On the Record with Tiffany. There are heroes throughout San Antonio, men and women that go the extra mile to make lives better. During the next hour, you'll be inspired as we introduce you to these unsung heroes. And now here's your host, Tiffany Jones-Smith. And we're back for another episode of On the Record with Tiffany. And today I have Dr. Megan Williams with me. Um, And we're going to talk a little bit about what we just experienced with what people are calling snowvid, but with our winter freeze that we just went went through and why that's important because uh, the medical community really uh, was turned upside down. Uh, Dr. Williams, you want to tell, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah, sure. My name is Dr. Megan Williams Kamelov. I am a uh, board certified in family medicine and obesity medicine. Um, currently, though, I work in emergency medicine. And um, uh, yeah, it was it was interesting times, things that I'd never seen before in medicine in the past couple of weeks. So tell us a little bit about what happened in uh, the hospitals, because we, you know, I People understand that that there was a loss of electricity, Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't think that uh, everybody's fully cognizant of of what uh, pressure per square inch and what the loss of water meant for patients. It was was so weird because, you know, power goes out, typically power goes out and in the hospitals, there's really no concern. Um, You even have in the hospital that, that, that you know for sure that power is going to be maintained. Mm-hmm. And I've been practicing, I graduated from medical school in 2007. I've never, and was a, was a CNA before that. I've never seen anything like this. Literally one of the locations that I work at, we didn't have power. We didn't have water. Um, and obviously the implications for that are, that are huge. I have friends that work at some of the, the larger hospitals and literally, um, there was a hospital, um, in, in one of the big hospital systems that literally just closed its doors and they, they shifted patients to another place because obviously if you don't have power, you don't have electricity, you know, especially obviously for things like dialysis. I mean, basic things like ICUs cannot function with mm-hmm. electricity. And so when I say it was, it was, a uh, um, you know, one of my girlfriends was saying that she's sick of living through historic events and, <laughs> and it was, it wasn't in three books because I've never seen, that type of outage that was so incredibly um, universal and anything that affected, you know, healthcare setting like that. You know, I have to say for our, our, uh, our first responders and our healthcare providers, they did an excellent job. Mm-hmm. You all did an excellent job. Um, what we experienced with uh, dialysis units, every dialysis unit in the state of Texas has to, has to uh, have some sort of form of backup power. They all do, they all mm-hmm. do. Um, they all have uh, emergency response plans, which, mm-hmm. which kicked in. They all, all did, did their part there. They all, um, what, where things went wrong was with the infrastructure in, in terms of the state of Texas with the Public Utility Commission of Texas, the deregulation that they did uh, with that allowed ERCOT to not maintain equipment, to, to buy equipment and not weatherize the turbines, to uh, those things were what uh, failed not only citizens, but also failed the uh, failed the the healthcare providers because you all were <laughs> as much victims as the um, as the the uh, patients because here you were you know and on top of that there were transportation issues uh, <clears throat> so we had a a systemic problem not we had the problem with electricity. The electricity problem caused water pumps to fail because they run with it, one run using uh, electrical components. So now we've got a pressure per square inch. It takes 37 
Uh, it takes 40, uh, I'm sorry, 39 to 47 gallons of, of water to dialyze one patient, but you have, must have clean water and, and uh, pressure per square inch. So um, I have to say, I'm, I'm very proud of, of what happened with uh, dialysis units across the state because what they did was trucked in water. Right. Um, and essentially uh, kept many, kept the, the loss of life to a, to a, uh, a minimum uh, because we would have seen a devastating loss of life if they wouldn't have brought in the water, if, if private business wouldn't have had their own <laughs> uh, crisis management plans. Exactly. Uh, and you know, to me, I just say too, I, I think the cool thing about, about the healthcare field, and, and I think in particular in San Antonio, there's just, um, it was kind of awesome to see, this sounds really cheesy, but just kind of a can-do spirit. It's just like, well, we're yeah. here, patients to take this care of. what we're going to do. I, I, mean, I saw dialysis units, you know, because those are private businesses. We saw uh, places like U.S. Renal just open the doors to anyone who needed to be dialyzed. We saw, uh, and so that, it didn't matter if you were a U.S. renal patient or not, you could come in and, and get dialysis because they, they were like, people, if we don't do this, people are going to, people are, are not going to make it through it, you know, and, and a lot of that was because it was because of transportation. You know, you might not be able to get over to your Fresenius office. So you can dialyze at U.S. Renal. And Fresenius did the same thing. You mm-hmm. might not be able to get over to your U.S. Renal or your whatever. Uh, and so, you know, that makes me want to cry. That's so nice. There you was know, so many- like it, it, it really was. Like I was talking to uh, uh, the leadership over at, at Fresenius as they were bringing in, bringing in trucks of water. Trucks of water. So that that uh, people could be dialyzed because and, you know, the, the part that that the public needs to understand is that with dialysis patients, dialysis patients spend uh, dialysis is a process that takes three to five hours, depending on you and your the level of toxin in your body. Mm-hmm. And, and it happens three to four times a week. So you are literally spending more time with your nurses, technicians, the people within those dialysis units than you are with, with your own family in, in, in many cases. Now, and so, don't know dialysis is like a full-time job because it yeah. is. And, you know, but the dialysis staff, they're, they're not just, these aren't, aren't, aren't uh, numbers on a, on a spreadsheet. They are they were sleeping at the units they were i mean yep. you know i we just had a full on effort you know there's one uh provider over at the kidney and blood pressure centers uh here uh her name's Minnie <laughs> and uh Minnie like Minnie is a champ she she was out there making sure that uh that the the people that they serve receive uh, uh, the much needed treatments. And she was, you know, because they're not just uh, patients. The many of, of, of the folks that they're serving become like family. You, you know, their lives and their stories. It's because you're spending hours a day with them uh, you know, three to four days a week. So, you know, there is a connection between the patients and the people that, that are leading, right. that, that are taking care of them. And I don't think, uh, you know, that's the part that, that, that I, when we got on that, I had a kidney task force meeting this morning. And the kidney task force is, uh, what we do is, is uh, we make recommendations to the the state of Texas on what should be done uh, across the board for kidney disease. You know, mm-hmm. uh, one of the first things 
that that the uh, the doctors and patients that are on that task force, everyone was just uh, heartfelt. Hey, what just happened here can't happen again. Right. We, we patients deserve for us to be better prepared than we were. You know, and they just if you sat there and listened to what everybody had to say, you knew uh, just how connected they all are to the very patients that we serve. Absolutely. You know, I, you can't make decisions solely based on money. Right. And the decisions here I don't know, you know, it will take some investigation to see what prompted them. But we know that uh, there has to be that human element placed in the decision-making process. Absolutely. And it wasn't the underserved populations, you know. Right. you know, and that leaves people like you who are who are working in an emergency room, <laughs> unable to do the very thing that that uh, you're trying to do, right? Which and is serve you know, people. I was extremely blessed because the CT machine was just down for a little while. That was the only way that we were impacted. But like I said, there was another location that was sending patients our way. And I think the crazier thing about it, Tiffany, is that within a system, within an organization, you have your contingency plans and everybody knows mm-hmm. what those plans are. But this was so unprecedented that that the, the basis and the basic assumptions that those contingency plans were based on weren't true anymore. So it was like, oh, wow, you know, just kind of like, what are we supposed to do right now to get this right? Because these contingency plans <laughs> are all are all based on us having water, (laughs) you know? I'm Tiffany Smith, Chief Executive Officer of the Texas Kidney Foundation, and I'm here to talk to you about your kidney health. Health is the most important asset we possess. COVID-19 has exposed the unhealthy nature of our population. One in three Americans are at risk for chronic kidney disease. In absolute numbers, that translates into about 600,000 San Antonians. Have you been diagnosed with diabetes? Have you been diagnosed with hypertension? Do you take blood pressure medicine? Do you have heart disease? Have you experienced heart failure? Do you have a history of dialysis or kidney failure in your family? If you said yes to two or more of those questions, you need to come and see us. Are you a part of that one in three? Is your sister, is your brother, is your mother? Texas Kidney Foundation offers free screenings. All you have to do is go to our website, www.txkidney.org. Check out our free screenings. You can either come to our office for an in-office visit, or we can come to you. You can schedule a screening or go to a screening near you. My thoughts are, you know, I I know what the Texas can-do spirit is. Right. And I, I don't believe that anybody on uh, the, the Public Utility Commission of Texas, I don't believe that any of, of them wanted to see uh, anything negative happen to, uh, to our population. I, I think they were... They already have said that they're not going to to upcharge, you know, for any increase in 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 utilization. Which, you know, I think it's really great because a lot of times life isn't fair. Yeah. So, uh, because yeah, if somebody had like a broken pipe or, you know, had to like, you know, use their oven to heat their their space or you know whatever the case may be. I mean, I think these are things that that you know it's, it was exactly. not at CPS and and all these you know utility companies are, are being fair in that sense. But when I, I look at this, uh, you know, I'm I, the voice of 
underserved populations, the kidney population, but also the respiratory population. There's so many, many groups that are impacted by this. Right. Their voices uh, need to be a part of the planning. So when we're doing something like, for example, the rolling black brownouts that, that we were initially told were going to uh, be what we experienced, there should be a coordination between, uh, let's take our community, Network 14. Network 14 has, has an extensive uh, and comprehensive plan for uh, emergency response. Hmm. They, they are, you're not gonna find a better plan for emergency response for kidney patients. Mm-hmm. However, they, they need to know if there's going to be um, a brownout in a particular area for 25 minutes. So if we know that uh, in zip code 78207, there's mm-hmm. going to be a brownout for 25 minutes you know, from 7 p.m. to 725, mm-hmm. then that should be that should be coordinated uh, so that everybody that is going to be affected in that particular area is sent an alert, some sort of some sort of system that that allows all of the dialysis units to to uh, steady themselves for what they're going to need to do at that time if they have patients that are being dialyzed from 7 to 725, uh, they obviously know they can't do it at that time. You know, you know what I mean? Like there has to be, be uh, coordination from that 10,000 foot view right. on down to us. You can't just, just throw the, the first responders. And this is what we have been doing since, you know, be, before this, crisis, uh, the other overarching crisis of, of uh, COVID-19, yeah. we, we kind of just tossed you guys, I, and I, I shouldn't say we, the powers that be mm-hmm. <laughs> sort of just tossed first responders out there. We had a lack of PPE what, right. what, and the, the general attitude or whatever was hey you know figure this out right this is for you know there was a lot of finger pointing and and all of this other stuff but to me it was once again texas really came through i felt like yeah next and and we did we did did and which is it's kind of cool to see you know private citizens say that's identify a need and just mobilize and just get it done uh, you know, people started making masks, people started, like, people just, you know, we we definitely have a, a uh, can-do attitude here, and, and that was totally accurate when you, when you said that, Dr. Williams, because that is a very Texas thing, and I, I love that about us, that yeah. we, that we get out there, and we're, and we are, we are, we make, lemonade out of lemons (laughs) you know it doesn't matter what's going on um but i believe that also when we see something like this occur that that, uh we would be remiss in not going back dissecting the the problem and creating a viable solution yeah for the next maybe it's a little bit inflammatory but i have to tell you like um there was interesting because I live in 78209 and restoration of services was pretty darn quick, you know, mm-hmm. it kind of bothered me because in comparison to other places, like, you know, one of the places that, that I work at is seven is, is a difference of code. And, and it just helped. It just, it just, you know, that, that thing in the back of your mind that, that really, I mean, to me, it was interesting. That's what I'll say. Mm-hmm. Restoration of services came very quickly in certain places. And I, I know that other places not so quickly in others. Not, and see that, you know, that's another argument um, because the poor across the nation, but I think this, this, our, our 
winter freeze uh, also showed that certain demographics, and in particular, poor. If you are poor, if you're poor black, if you are poor Hispanic, if you are poor white, if you are poor Asian, if you are poor, period, and working class, the poor and the working class were were disproportionately yeah it it was you you can definitely see as this i mean it's going to take months before we have all of the data on this right uh but it's definitely rolling out that that it's it was terrible and and they were hit uh the hardest yeah and it's you know we have to address the pink elephant in the room that there's an entire segment of people uh, who fall under the poverty line or right at the poverty line that we are doing, uh, that we have to do better by. Right. No, we have I, to do, do better by that, the, that demographic. And, you know, and I don't believe, I believe that we want to do better by that demographic. The, the average person uh, wants to see um, some equality there. Right. Um, how we get there is, is uh, another story, but we're gonna get there because uh, we just simply cannot leave our citizenry in, in a position where they're uh, vulnerable and their vulnerability are exposed to the point where they could be where they could they could lose their lives and we saw that uh you know the last count that i've heard was uh 51 lives lost to to the the storm and to storm related issues um and that's across the board not not only in the kidney community what's even more disturbing, uh, what's equally as disturbing is that uh, when you start looking into the power grid and what what actually went wrong, we were we were quite literally seconds away, seconds away from having a complete blackout. And had that happened, we would have been we would be looking at at hundreds, possibly even thousands of of lives that that would have been lost um and i didn't i didn't realize that i know i do and it's uh and as this time roll continues then then i believe that message will get out more and more because uh anybody who who uh likes to investigate and i'm one of those people uh, <laughs> uh because i always like to know why why did a problem occur Right. You know, you have to dig down yeah. to figure out why. You know, what is what 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 left us vulnerable? If you want to fix a problem, mm-hmm. then you have to understand it and identify it accurately. Right. So, um, you know, so that so as we're we're looking at this, and as uh, you know, I we we really narrowly averted uh, a major a major uh, catastrophic event. It was a catastrophic event regardless, especially if you, if, if you, you lost a, a loved one. Anybody that lost a loved one, uh, you know, to them, my heart goes out to you because uh, I, under, I, I understand what it's like to lose somebody prematurely. Yeah, and today it's just so sad. I don't know if you read about that little boy that was in a trailer that literally just froze to death and stuff like that bothers me. Because when you think about it, it's just like for what and for why, you know, yeah. like that didn't have numbers happen. on, which is why numbers on a spreadsheet. You, you must have the representatives from uh, vulnerable communities right. present. Uh, you know, and you know, in, in, in my opinion, it should be uh, those who are doing crisis management specifically for those communities who should be present and who should have a voice uh, um, that is being heard on the, the uh, Public Utilities uh, Commission 
of Texas, if they're making decisions across that will affect electricity, water, and telecommunications, three things that if we don't have them, we're in a lot of trouble. Yeah. You know, at the at the minimum, uh healthcare providers should be should be uh have a, a, a presence and a voice on on that commission, a voice that is not related to uh ERCOT or any of the the uh the agencies that are providing the power. Yeah. Because you want you want uh, some transparency, but you also want people to uh, to be taken into account. The populations that are going to be impacted. And Tiffany, you know, in all seriousness, um, I'd love to get with you offline if there's, you know, any. Um, opportunities that I can do that. Cause the thing that really bothers me is that I think sometimes what happens with stuff like this is that something happens and then everybody's up in arms and, and it's sad and, and, and jarring, but I kind of get the sense that complacency sets in very quickly. And, mm-hmm. and, and I don't have anything to base this on besides just a general just call of what's kind of going on, but I kind of wonder well, if there's the just news cycle moves, the news cycle moves and what everybody's paying attention to change. just there, so they're all like paying attention to something else. There's a new blah that has occurred, and everybody's upset about the latest uh, infraction that that someone else has has caused. Which I, I understand that news cycles move, but we we can't be um, we can't have such short range thinking. You right. know, part of part of being a developed nation and part. Of being a can-do state, you know, if you if we're going to stand as an island of our own with our own power grid, then we have to act like uh, and prepare for every every scenario. So right. something as simplistic as uh, weatherized turbines, right? Yep. That is uh, to say that uh, well, they all froze up. Yeah the wind energy is used in norway right so obviously there's technology in me clearly yes right. <laughs> it's also used in maryland right you know so uh to say we we can't you know when we can't get these uh turbines weatherized no we made a decision not to so we have to one, one, those who made that decision have to own up to it. Right. And then we have to go back and correct that. Right. It can't be something that now that we've thought out, oh, well, back to business as usual. No, 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 no. We have to go back and correct all of these things that were not done properly mm-hmm. so that our, the next time, if this happens in three years, if this happens in ten years, right, right, no, amen. And I hope, I hope that the the pain and the, um, you know, that that moment is felt for a while, so that people actually are motivated to make change. Because that's the thing that I fear is that right now people are like, well, when is this going to happen again? It's like, well, if you take that attitude, we'll we'll be back, you know, in ten years or mm-hmm. thirty three years, whenever that occurs, we're going to be sitting in exactly. Mm-hmm. And what we have to think about is is uh, natural disasters. Period. Right. We have to think about about this across various uh, spectrums, and not just uh, a freeze, right. because we could have floods that could could cause uh, similar problems. We could have, you know, there are so many different scenarios, and we need to be prepared for them because part of this was we had a, a we had a water problem we had an electricity problem and then we also had the just general uh transportation lack of communication problem and coordination with with uh other people that we should be coordinated with right you know we had but all of those things so it's like 
there has to be, we have to look at each, each problem here, dissect it and create the solutions that, that should be there. We can't disintegrate into a finger pointing, blame game, uh, partisan politics when this is a bipartisan issue every texan was was affected by this uh vulnerable populations were were uh put in peril and it's not something that should be turned into a blue or red issue right oh it's definitely not you know versus public management that that's an issue but yeah absolutely definitely not a not a political it's not it's not but but as we see like a lot of things can take that turn unfortunately uh and and i don't want to see us uh go down that road because the the facts are is that we can we can fix this Mm -hmm. you know we can 100 this is texas you know we fix things and yeah do do it bigger and better and and present the example of how to do it <laughs> you know what about that HEB where people went and then the power went out and like they didn't have the ability to ring up the groceries and so HEB was just like go ahead and take them did you hear that story no I was I, like that's I, I love HEB yeah <laughs> and then there was this other uh store where um a person had broken in because they needed supplies and the the shop owner was on the news because apparently for everything that was taken, he actually ended up getting more money for it because they left money like they needed it. So they took it, but they actually left money and all these things have happened that really kind of make me want to cry. Cause I kind of felt like when I was watching people fight over toilet paper, I was like, where are we right now? Like, <laughs> like what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. and then I feel like there's so many things that happen that kind of restored my faith in humanity. Yeah. Just whole giving like 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 I, like what you're saying about the how how you guys just were like okay they need dialysis let's just do it I just think that's so beautiful because I mean that's how you get through stuff like this right like if you have you get you like I, I, I literally got a call from uh Dr. Sagal one of the one of the he owned the practice here in, in San Antonio and uh he was like just talking to me about what was what was going on and uh giving me some phone numbers he called me because he was like I, I need to give you some numbers because if people need to be dialyzed uh we we've got uh um a place for them to call and and uh and schedule it and we can see if if we can if we can get them there if they need some help you know what and I said so is this for Fresenius uh, patients? Uh, and he was like, no, no, no. This is for any patient. This is for anybody. If the, if the hospitals need help, if anybody needs help, we've been coordinating this. And, and so he has this, uh, there's a, a doctor in his practice, Dr. Urena, and she is, is a phenomenal a uh, woman, a phenomenal doctor. Uh, she was like doing all this stuff to coordinate and make sure that that uh, patients were taken care of. And I will tell you that that particular doctor, Dr. Urena, I have literally uh, gone into neighborhoods where we have been uh, doing free screenings and she will show up. If I call her and say, hey, we're gonna go do free screenings at this place. She'll show up. Mm-hmm. She will yeah. show up, and she may have been like working all night, or you know, or working all all week, and she'll come and show up, and and uh, and we'll sit there and talk to patients and walk them through what they can do. And she's not that person that's uh, standing there for the 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 news. I- or whoever you know it, it it's not in in fact she's one of those people that you have to like really push to get her to to get in front of the camera and talk you know because I'm always like look people need 
<laughs> you're so sincere. They need to, that resonates with people. Anybody that talks to you knows that you're sincere. You know, it's very difficult to, uh, to, to, you either, you're either sincere or you're not. Like you can't fake that. A person that, that is as sincere as she is, you know it, you know? Right. And so uh, she was uh, coordinating uh, some of the water truck efforts. Yeah. So I called um, another uh, provider, uh, Nicole Hernandez over at, at um, over at, uh, U.S. Renal and Nicole was was just jumping through hoops to make sure that that they had, you know, uh, backup electricity working and and they did. Um, I called uh, Doctor Doctor Mazzani over mm-hmm. at uh, STRCG South Texas Renal Care Group. South Texas Renal Care Group. Now, everybody knows I adore South Texas Renal Care Group, and this is one of the reasons why. Because uh, when I called Dr. Mazzani, you know what he was doing? He had two families over at his house. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, and all their pets and stuff. (laughs) No, Dr. Mazzani is such good people, and that that practice, so many good people, Dr. Butt, so many good people. Yeah, you know. Like, like these are people, I mean, look, Dr. Bud does his own little, uh, let me break this down to you and show you all about kidney disease and how, you know, in a simple way. And that is not a, a condescending statement. That is a, it's, kidney disease is complex. Yes. And so when he says that, and when he does that, I, you know, he, he definitely makes you smile because he's, uh, he has know. a passion. He loves teaching. He wants his patients to know how, and I think that's important, right? Like you don't want to just tell somebody what to do. I think like the word doctor mean, docere means to teach. And that's, that's that right. calling, right? Is to, and I will tell you like a little, little story about him. I, I really, and I say this all the time, I would not be doing what I'm doing if it weren't for Dr. Bud, because I walked into their office with my little cousin who is, who was in renal failure at the time. And, and, uh, and Dr. Butt is the doctor that, that uh, we went to see. I had nothing to do with the kidney community. Prior oh, to Interesting. No, I didn't know that. And uh, I just, when we were sitting there, I went with Daryl Jr. to the appointment. And when we were sitting there talking to Dr. Bud, first of all, uh, we're just some, some nobodies who walked into his office. And he, he treated us like we were VIPs, yeah. <laughs> you know? But everybody's like that with everyone. Yeah. Everybody's a VIP for Dr. Bud. Amen. And that's how it should be. And that, and and I will tell you across the board, uh, Mm -hmm. whenever I, I have been to SDRCG, South Texas Renal Care Group, uh, Renal Associates is like that. When you walk into kidney and blood pressure centers, uh, uh, with Dr. Brockway, it's like going to your, to your, uh, uh, your uncle or your, your grandfather's, uh, uh, office. Like, yeah. like it feels like you just walked into some place with family. Yeah. So, no. Like we that's... have the most wonderful community mm-hmm. when it comes down to uh and and that's it's the same thing with SAKDC. Uh they are uh San Antonio kidney disease centers. They they they're probably the largest group, but at the same time they feel small and cozy and uh like you're like you are important as a a, as a patient so when i see them being uh failed by the powers that be yeah because the kidney doctors staff 
uh, Network 14, all of them did what they were supposed to do. Our infrastructure, the Public Utility Commission of Texas, um, they were the ones with the lackluster um, response. And I do not believe that they were just like trying to stick it to the American people. I don't think they were doing that. I think, I think that, that a, a key component to decision-making and planning was not there. And that key component being uh, the voice of the voices of those communities uh, that are most at risk, like right. kidney, the kidney community, the cardiovascular community, the respiratory community, all of those, those groups and, and, and there are others that they should be present. There should be a, a, a concerted effort to, for the Public Utility Commission of Texas to work with each one of those groups. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the best way to do that is to have a committee um, that's informing uh, the commissioners or to have someone that is on the commissioner's board that's doing that. But, um, okay, I, as always, have enjoyed talking with you, Dr. Williams. Um, is there... It, is there anything that you're doing or that you want to add to what we just said? Uh, no, ma'am. No. Um, I just, you know, like I said, I, I think that that efforts, continuing efforts and continuing planning um, to make sure this doesn't happen again. And, and like I said, offline to see what I can do to make sure that happens. But yeah, I would love to love to get together offline and you have a, a wonderful day. Yeah. Um, You've been listening to On the Record with Tiffany and everybody that is within earshot, make sure that you contact your representative about what, what we just went through. If we want to see change occur, then we have to be the change makers. And you have that ability with, with uh, letter writing, you have that ability with phone calls, you have a lot of power as an individual. So take agency and remember, you are living in the greatest country in the world and you can make a difference in what happens in your community, in your city, in your state and beyond. And you can do that right at your keyboard. You can do that with the stroke of a pen. So if we're if you're upset don't, let's channel that into something positive and reach out and i just want to talk to you a little bit to our audience a little bit about what is coming up next with the kidney community uh texas kidney foundation is my other hat that i wear during the the uh week and it's a a lot of the reason why um um, I started this show so that we could um, uh, reach another audience and another demographic, but also so we could educate about uh, chronic kidney disease. Uh, and I'm proud uh, to announce that we have come up with the most wonderful uh, campaign that we'll be starting and we have some great community partners that are going to be working with us. The campaign is, is uh, specifically targeting uh, increasing the knowledge about kidney disease. Currently, we um, know that COVID-19 is uh, acting as an acute kidney injury, commonly referred to as an AKI. An acute kidney injury means that it's something that is pushing uh, a person's kidneys into some stage of kidney disease. Well, 46% of the people who are going into the hospital with COVID-19 are leaving the hospital with some stage of kidney disease. Uh, when we 
found out about this, the, the uh, uh, leadership of Texas Kidney Foundation, meaning me and the board <laughs> um, and our uh, key staff members. We looked at it and uh, evaluated what should, what should happen. This was early on uh, when we started seeing it and before there were actual uh, data sets to back this up, but um, we started seeing it, that, that, that there was uh, definitely a correlation between uh, COVID-19 and kidney disease. So uh, we began to develop a campaign and a way for us to follow kidney disease in those patients because uh, there needs to be more than just releasing a person back in and saying that it's, oh, you're okay now. If the, if the non-hospitalized population is reflective of what is being seen in the hospitalized population, then uh, everyone who has been diagnosed with COVID-19 and is in recovery, uh, those folks need to be tested and get a baseline on what their kidney function is. Um, so based on us seeing this and realizing that, that uh, the population that we serve, you know, our, our hearts, uh, and our devotion as a as an organization is towards is to the underserved, and that is the underserved uh, populations of Texas. So that's everybody that falls at or below the poverty line in Texas. Uh, so if you are uh, underserved and black, white. Hispanic, uh, Asian, if you're underserved in the state of Texas, uh, Texas Kidney Foundation um, is, is a, a resource for you to find out what your kidney health is. So we've developed, uh, we have uh, free screenings for kidney disease and we have a partner called Healthy.io that's going to, uh, that has generously donated uh, 10,000 uh, free screenings that we can then, that we can send to your home. It is the most exciting piece of technology that I have seen, the Healthy.io technology, because it allows us to mail a screening to your home. You take the test at home in the comfort of your, of your, um, of your uh, humble abode, and you can use your smartphone to upload your results and get your results, and you will know uh, what's going on with your kidney function. So why do you need to know that? Because why would you need to do this? Your kidney, kidney disease does not show ready symptoms that, that would make you uh, aware of the fact that you had kidney disease. You don't start seeing symptoms of uh, that are that are identifiable uh, until the latter stages of kidney disease. So you don't want to wait until then. Uh, the The only way to to know what's going on with your kidneys is through the blood and the urine, uh, and the best way is through uh, is looking at both. Um, so that's what we we've come up with. So I, you know, I'm I'm elated that we can bring services of that nature to our community, especially to uh, with ten thousand uh, beginning in the San Antonio area, and we will be scaling up to uh, the rest of the state. And we will begin uh, at the beginning with our our uh constituents here so uh i couldn't be uh more proud of where we're going and what we're doing 
Um, and as it relates to uh, to our population, we're always going to to be there with you, to serve, and to walk you through uh, the difficulties of chronic kidney disease. So after after we identify that the disease that that one has it, then we have renal dietitians, we have uh, behavioral therapists to help uh, figure out to help you relate to your family, relate to uh, what your budget is and how you can, uh, what kind of food to buy, what kind of, how to cook and make things taste good and, and live with this disease. And we also have uh, um, additional health care through uh, free clinics, through uh, services like CareLink that, that we can uh, sign up those who who qualify for CareLink and for uh, Medicaid and Medicare, and uh, route those uh, who who do not to through the free clinics. But there there are options, there are uh, solutions, and there's somebody that will hold your hand through this process. And that's us, Texas Kidney Foundation. So. If you want to learn more about Texas Kidney Foundation, go to uh, txkidney.org. Again, that's txkidney.org. And check us out because we are here for you and your kidney needs. And you've been listening to On the Record with Tiffany. You've been enjoying On the Record with Tiffany. We encourage you to share these stories with friends and family. You can listen to other shows by going to 930amtheanswer.com. And join us next week for On the Record with Tiffany on 930am The Answer.